Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Today, we are on the Season 2 finale, Episode 26, Empty Nests, which originally aired on May 16th of 1987. Uh, so what other intriguing historical events occurred on May the 16th? Well, in 1571... Uh, this event was so bizarre, I had to put it on here when I saw it on the, the history website I go to for this. So, German astronomer Johannes Kepler, by his own calculations, is conceived at 4.37 a.m. on May 16th, 1571. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, by his own calculations, that's when he... Uh, calculated he was conceived uh so i i felt i needed to put that on here okay it's just bizarre enough to make it on here um in 1792 denmark abolishes the slave trade in 1866 charles e hires invents root beer in 1868, U.S. President Andrew Johnson avoids impeachment by a single vote. In 1869, the Cincinnati Reds play their first baseball game, winning by a paltry score of 41-7. to In 1918, the Sedition Act of 1918 is passed by U.S. Congress, making criticism of the United States government an imprisonable offense. This was later repealed in 1920, oh. but it still lasted two whole years. Uh, in 1929, the first Oscar ceremony is held. In 1971, Bulgaria adopts its constitution. In eight, uh, 1988, U.S. Surgeon General C. Everett Koop reports that nicotine is as addictive as heroin. And our most recent event on May 16th of 2018, the painting Past Times by Carrie James Marshall is bought by rapper-slash-producer P. Diddy for $21.1 million, the highest sum paid for a piece by a living black artist. And that is our history lesson for today. So what occurred in this unusual installment of the Golden Girls? Very unusual. And to begin with, I will warn our faithful listeners. All three of you. <laughs> that for the first 50 episodes, we have gone, or I have gone, into great depth and great detail on these plot episodes. Now, starting with episode 51, which is this one, the plots will be much, much thinner and a lot quicker to get through. Hmm. All right. In this episode, in scene one, we start in the kitchen, and the girls are mostly talking about the dishwasher being broke, and the dirty dishes are piling up everywhere. We get a Sicily reference, and then the doorbell rings. Uh, we're now in the living room. We are introduced to Renee. Her husband works way too much and she is depressed. We learn Sophia plays checkers with a guy and Renee has the empty nest syndrome, which is probably how we got the title of this episode. 
we get lots of more talk about this with some good lines from the girls and not much else. In scene two, we're at George, which is Renee's husband, and Renee's house. We're in their living room. We begin with George on the phone talking to one of his patients. There's a knock at the door, and it is another patient, and also Renee's brother, Chuck. And this one has multiple personalities. Renee finally enters the living room there. They talk a bit, and when Renee is ready to discuss their marriage, they get interrupted a few times. Rose and Sophia come over, and we get another Sicily reference. Rose, Sophia, and Chuck, now as Mr. Fix-It, leave. Renee and George talk about this empty nest stuff, and George leaves to go to his office. In scene three, we're back in Renee's living room again with Renee, Sophia, Rose, Blanche, and Dorothy, or we could say all five girls. <laughs> okay, they are going to watch a movie. Blanche says, it is Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Woo, what a movie to watch. Renee's daughter, though, Jenny, shows up and announces that she quit college. We get a good monologue from Blanche about the college you should go to. They all discuss losing boyfriends, and then the girls leave, and George comes in. And they thought they were going to a movie. Well, you know, I guess that plan was changed when Jenny arrived. Anyway, George and Renee and Jenny talk, mostly about Jenny losing her boyfriend. And another guy comes in, and they call him Oliver. He is a pilot, it seems. Jenny decides to go back to college in the morning. They talk. Then Oliver is asked to leave, and he does. Renee and George finally get to talk. Renee leaves after giving George something to think about, though, about this empty nest stuff. And in scene four, we're in George and Renee's house again, but it's George and Oliver in the kitchen. We learn Renee has been in New York with Jenny for six days now. Dorothy enters from, I guess it was a back door, and Dorothy doesn't stay very long and really accomplished nothing. And George decides to go to New York. So scene five, we're in New York. We're in Renee's hotel room. George enters, and George has decided to cut back on his workload. And Renee is very happy at this. Scene six, the last uh, scene, we're in New York. It's three days later. We're in the hotel room, and George and Renee are in bed talking. They promise each other all kinds of things, and this episode, thankfully, comes to an end. And hmm. that is my very short plot summary. I see. Well... A lot shorter. Uh, we have quite a few references sprinkled throughout this episode. Firstly, to the Swiss Army Knife, uh, which is a pocket knife or multi-tool uh, that was manufactured by Victorinox now. And up to 2005, also by Wenger S.A., I guess is how that's pronounced. Okay. Uh, the term Swiss Army Knife was coined by American soldiers after World War II due to the difficulty they had in pronouncing Messer, the German name, <laughs> uh, as you can tell there. Okay. Uh, I can see that. Uh, the Swiss Army Knife generally has a main spear point blade, as well as various tools such as screwdrivers, a can opener, and many others. 
Uh, the attachments are stowed inside the handle of the knife through a pivot point mechanism. Uh, it originated in Ebach, Switzerland. The Swiss Army knife was first produced in 1891 uh, after the company Carl Elsner, which later became Victorinox, won the contract to produce the Swiss Army's Model 1890 knife from the previous German manufacturer. Uh, and that is the Swiss Army knife. Uh, reindeer meat uh, is actually a thing you can buy uh, on Amazon. Uh, you know, you can buy uh, a pack of uh, reindeer jerky uh, for 15 bucks a can. Uh, we can buy a reindeer meat gift pack, which features reindeer jerky, sausage, and canned reindeer for only $25. Uh, so that's not too bad of a price. Uh, we could buy a pack of six uh, reindeer jerkies for 18 bucks. So uh, you can uh, pick up some reindeer meat off Amazon if you're interested in it. Uh, <laughs> we get another vague reference to a Middle East crisis, which, so I don't know what in the world one they're referencing, of course. Uh, but uh, if we go for 86 uh, is when this air well probably when this would have been written maybe so 86 87 range so we could maybe have the uh iran iraq war the south yemen civil war the 1986 egyptian conscription riot the 1986 damascus bombings uh, the iranian pilgrim riot or the mecca massacre of 1987 uh, the a and o executions uh, and that's about it, I do believe. Huh. Uh, so any maybe the Lebanese Civil War, that ended in 1990, so that could be it too. That could have been because uh, Rene figured out how to stop the, or give Palestines Greenland. And that would have... The Palestinians. So that Palestinians. Would have been... Give them Greenland and that would have solved the Middle East crisis. Hmm. I don't think that would have been the Lebanese Civil War, but... Well, <laughs> um, I'm not sure which one that would be, just given the Palestinians. That'd be Palestine and Israel, so uh, I don't know. Uh, but none of those are really involved in uh, either of these until like the 2000s is when Israel and Palestine get involved in things, uh, at least according to this list. So I don't know. Anywho, um uh, the country of Greenland, of course, is a, a is a autonomous country that is a constituent of Denmark uh, in the Arctic and Atlantic oceans. Although it is connected to Canada, so you know, a little odd there. Uh, it has been politically and cult culturally associated with Europe, even though it is physiologically a part of North America. Uh, specifically Norway and Denmark, uh, the colonial powers, as well as the nearby island of Iceland. Uh, the majority of Greenland's uh, uh, residents are Inuit, whose ancestors began migrating from the Canadian mainland in the 13th century, gradually settling across the island. Now, Greenland is the world's largest island. Uh, Australia and Antarctica, while both larger than Greenland, are generally considered to be continental land masses rather than just islands. Uh, three quarters of Greenland is, of course, covered by the only permanent ice sheet found outside of Antarctica, 
And with a population of just over 56,000 as of 2013, it is the least densely populated territory in the world, uh, other than Antarctica, I assume. <laughs> Thank you. Um, though, I don't know. That's what I would assume. I would assume. Um, although, I guess let's look here. Um, so, if I can find this. So, population density. Uh, so, well, yeah, since uh, Antarctica is not really a country... Uh, so, yes, Greenland is uh, the lowest density country in the world, followed by Svalbard and Jan Mayen, uh, which is a constituent of Norway, uh, then the Falkland Islands and the Pitcairn Islands in the UK, uh, and then the next, the only, the first truly independent country on this list, the least pop densely populated independent country in the world is Mongolia. Uh, and then uh, Namibia and Australia as well. Uh, very undensely populated uh, countries there. Um, St. Francis of Assisi uh, is, was an Italian Catholic friar uh, who lived from either 1181 to, or 82 uh, until 1226. Uh, and he was a Catholic friar, deacon, and preacher who founded the Men's Order of Friars Minor, the Women's Order of St. Clair, the Third Order of St. Francis, and the Custody of the Holy Land. He's one of the most venerated religious figures in history. Uh, he was canonized by Pope Gregory IX on July 16th of 1228, uh, just under two years after his death. Uh, along with St. Catherine of Siena, he is the designated patron saint of Italy and later became associated with patronage of animals and the natural environment, and it became customary for Catholic and Anglican churches to hold ceremonies blessing animals on his feast day of October the 4th. He's often remembered as the patron saint of animals. In 1219, he went to Egypt in an attempt to convert the sultan to put an end to the Crusades. Uh, but by this point, the Franciscan order had grown to such an extent that its primitive organizational structure was no longer f sufficient. He returned to Italy to reorganize the order. Uh, once his community was authorized by the Pope, he withdrew increasingly from external affairs. He was also known for his love of the Eucharist, uh, which is a um, uh, some church thing. Uh, involving bread and wine, it looks like. Uh, in 1223, he arranged for the first Christmas live nativity scene. And according to Christian tradition, in 1224, he received the stigmata during the apparition of seraphic angels during a religious ecstasy, uh, which would make him the second person in Christian tradition after St. Paul to bear the wounds of Christ's passion. He died during the evening hours of October the 3rd, 1226, while listening to a reading he had requested of Psalm 142. Uh, he is also apparently the patron saint of stowaways, uh, okay. <laughs> according to the uh, page here. Huh. Um, so that is St. Francis of Assisi, who we will discuss many more times throughout Season 3. Um, uh, Kielbasa is any type of meat sausage from Poland 
and a staple of Polish cuisine. cuisine. Uh, in American English, it typically refers to a coarse U-shaped smoked sausage of any kind, which closely resembles the Wijska sausage in uh, British English. Okay. Uh, so that is the kielbasa sausage. Uh, they bring up something called beacons, beckons, uh, which I cannot find anything uh, from the time period. The only thing that I could find is is a van company located yeah. in Indianapolis. Yes. I don't think that's what they were referencing. Do you? Um, I thought that's what they were referencing, yes. Okay. But it it's a moving be... company, isn't it? Yeah, it's a moving company. Yes, because the doctor... Um, oh, they're going to move stuff or something. He was talking about. He was talking to his client who weighed three hundred pounds on a five-six body. Oh, okay. And he said even Beckons would have a hard time moving him. Oh, okay then. Or something. Okay, so maybe that is what they're referencing then. Okay, um, Shirley MacLaine is a uh, actress uh, uh, on film, TV, and on in the theater. A singer, dancer, activist, and author as well. Uh, an Oscar winner as well, is most known for her New Age beliefs and has an interest in spirituality and reincarnation. Who I think we've discussed her a few times before. Um, Cinzano is an Italian brand of vermouth. Uh, so this is a liquor, of course. Uh, it comes in four varieties. Cinzano Rosso, amber-colored. Cinzano Bianco, which is white and drier, yet still considered a sweet vermouth. Uh, Cinzano Extra Dry, a dry vermouth, and Cinzano Rosé, the newest of the four, which is a rosé-styled vermouth. Um, now, Cinzano vermouths date back to 1757, uh, when they were first created by Giovanni Giacomo and Carlo Stefano Cinzano, who created a new vermouth rosso using aromatic plants from the Italian Alps and a still-secret recipe combining 35 ingredients, including marjoram, thyme, and yarrow. And what became known as the Vermouth of Turin proved popular with the bourgeoisie of Turin and later the city of Casanova. Uh, so that is uh, Cinzano wine. Uh, the country of Albania... Uh, is a country in southeast Europe located on the Adriatic and Ionian Sea. It shares land borders with Montenegro to the northwest, Kosovo to the northeast, North Macedonia to the east, Greece to the south, and a maritime border with Italy to the west. Uh, the country was established in uh, initially 1190 uh, as the Principality of Arbanon, but it did not really become known as Albania in any, uh, you know, form until uh, 1272 with the Kingdom of Albania, and it became its current form uh, in, uh, well, it adopted its current constitution in November of 1998. Uh, so that, but the modern state pretty much emerged from uh, the fall of the Ottoman Empire in 19. 12. Uh, vaudeville is a theatrical genre of variety entertainment born in France at the end of the 18th century. Uh, vaudeville was originally a comedy 
with no psychological or moral intentions based on a comical situation, a kind of dramatic composition or light poetry interspersed with songs or ballets. It became highly popular in the United States and Canada in the early 1880s and reigned supreme until the early 1930s, but the idea of vaudeville theater changed radically from its French antecedent. Uh, in some ways analogous to musical from Victorian Britain, a typical American vaudeville performance was made up of a series of separate, unrelated acts grouped together on a common bill. Types of acts have included popular and classically trained musicians, singers, dancers, comedians, trained animal uh, shows, magicians, ventriloquists, strongmen, female and male impersonators, acrobats, illustrated song performances, jugglers, one-act plays or scenes from plays, athletes, lecturing celebrities, minstrels, and even movies. A vaudeville performer is often referred to as a vaudevillian. Uh -huh. Developed from many sources, including the Concert Saloon, the Minstrel Z, Freak Shows, Dime Museums, and Literary Burlesque. Uh, it was one of the most popular types of entertainment in North America for several decades. Yes. Uh, the Dancing Cigarette Box. I cannot find anything about this, except I could find one thing which I guarantee is not what they were referencing. <laughs> um, so the Dancing Cigarettes were a popular punk band based in Bloomington, Indiana, active from 1979 to 1983. No. Uh, they were part of a cadre of Bloomington-based bands that made an impact on the underground punk scene. Uh, those bands also included would be the Gizmos, the Zero Boys, Dow Jones, and the Industrials, and the MX-80 sound. Uh, they established Indiana as an innovative breeding ground for punk, post-punk, and new wave music throughout the late 70s and early 1980s. I highly doubt that's what they referenced, but that was all I could find. Um, Taster's Choice. Uh, this was weird. Um, so this is referencing a series of ads, uh, also known as the Gold Blend, Gold Blend Couple, uh, which was a British advertising campaign for Nescafe Gold Blend Coffee. Uh, and it was originally it was originally you know aired in the UK as the Gold Blend Coffee, but was uh, redistributed in 1990 in the U.S. Uh, where Gold Blend was called Taster's Choice. Uh, so that's what this was. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street Four: The Dream Master, of course, uh, is slightly. This is pretty weird. Um, so, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 came out in 1988. So, they were going to go see it a year in advance, somehow. Yes. Um, Thank you. I think they meant Nightmare on Elm Street 3, because that came out in 87. That's what they should have meant. That's one of my questions I had for this episode, um, yes. Right. So, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Four, following the death of Nancy in three, Freddy Krueger reappears in the dreams of Kristen, Joey, and Roland, and he uses Kristen's best friend Alice to gain access to new victims. Uh, it did gross $49 million at the box office, making it the highest grossing film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise until Freddy vs. Jason in 2003. 
so I, they they should have meant Nightmare on Elm Street three, what they should have meant, but they said four. Well, it, it was Blanche. So they should have meant three. And Blanche may not have <laughs> been that smart about Maybe. it. Maybe. So. Uh, but they, they definitely should have meant three, which came out in February of 87. That's what they should have meant. But that's not what they said, so too bad. Um, Chinos is a... Uh, Chino cloth is a twill fabric originally made of 100% cotton. The most common item made from it, trousers, are widely called chinos. Today it is also found in cotton synthetic blends. It was developed in the mid-19th century for British and French military uniforms. It has since migrated into civilian wear. Trousers of such fabric gained popularity in the U.S. when veterans from the Spanish-American War returned from the Philippines with new twill military trousers. That is chinos. Uh, Plato was an Athenian philosopher during the classical period of ancient Greece, the founder of the Platonist school of thought and the academy, the first institution of higher learning in the Western world. He is widely considered one of, if not the most pivotal figure in the history of ancient Greek and Western philosophy, along with his teacher Socrates and his most famous student Aristotle. Uh, he has also often been cited as one of the founders of modern Western religion and spirituality, as the so-called Neoplatonism of philosophers like Plotinus and Porf Porphyry influenced St. Augustine and therefore the founding and development of early Christianity. He was also the innovator of the written dialogue and dialectic forms of philosophy. He also appears to have been the founder of Western political philosophy, his most famous contribution bears his name, Platonism, also ambiguously called either Platonic Realism or Platonic Idealism, the doctrine of the forms known by pure reason to for provide a realist solution to the problem of universals. He is also the namesake of Platonic Love and the Platonic Solids. His own most decisive philosophical influences are usually thought to have been along with Socrates, the pre-Socratics Pythagoras, Heraclitus, and Par Parmenides. Although a few of his predecessors' works remain extant, and much of what we know about these figures today derives from Plato himself. Unlike the work of nearly all of his contemporaries, Plato's entire oeuvre is believed to have survived intact for over 2,400 years. Although their popularity has fluctuated over the years, the works of Plato have never been without readers since the time they were written. So that is Plato, briefly. Uh, Weight Watchers is an American company that offers various products and services to assist in uh, the loss of weight, of course. Uh, Lufthansa uh, is a German airline. Uh, which is also the largest airline in Europe in terms of passengers carried. Uh, and then Perrier is a, a French brand of bottled water. Uh, so that is that. Um, a few side characters in this episode. Uh, Renee is played by Rita Marino, uh, who had, uh, while winning an Oscar for... Uh, actually was the first to complete the EGOT, actually. 
Um, so good for her on that. Uh, most known for her work on projects such as West Side Story, Oz, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, and The King and I. Uh, she currently, um, she's still working hard today. Uh, most recently, uh, in all 39 episodes of the Netflix reboot of One Day at a Time, she stars as Lydia in that. Hmm. Uh, and uh, she is also in the upcoming remake of West Side Story as well. Uh, George is played by Paul Dooley, who we have discussed before. He appeared in another episode of uh, the show yes. as, oh, I think, Newton. Rose's date for an episode. Yep. Isaac Newton. Yeah. Um, so he's most known for his work in films Breaking Away, Hairspray, Popeye, and Sixteen Candles. He is also still working hard. Uh, he'll be in... A film called Boy Makes Girl coming out later this year. There's a couple things coming out next year, it looks like. So uh, be on the lookout for those if you're interested in his acting. Uh, the guy with DID in this episode is played by Joffrey Lewis, uh, who's most known for his work in projects such as The Way of the Gun, The Devil's Rejects, Maverick, and Double Impact. Uh, he also was working pretty recently. Just 2017, he was in High and Outside, a baseball noir film. Uh, so that's him. Uh, Jenny is played by Jane Harnick, uh, most known for her work in projects such as Remember Me, The Practice, Baywatch, and Fatal Judgment. She also has a writing credit. She wrote one episode of the Drew Carey Show. Uh, she only has four other acting credits other than this one, and we just named all of them. Wow. So uh, She also received a special thanks credit in a documentary called Far From the Tree. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, and... Oliver was played by David Leisure, uh, most known for his work in projects such as 10 Things I Hate About You, Empty Nest, Airplane 2, and Airplane. Uh, so, no new sex partners established in this episode, as the girls are in maybe five minutes of this episode at most. Yes. Uh, so our tally stands at the end of season two, Blanche 33, Dorothy 6, Rose 5, Sophia 1. I have a few additional notes for this one, of course. Um, this episode is very, very odd. Uh, now, I know it's, you know, supposed to be the pilot for uh, Susan Harris's other show, Empty Nest. But, as none of these characters have been introduced before this episode on the girls, so it's really strange to have them just show up all of a sudden and it'd be like, oh yeah, we know them. We've talked to them for years. It's like, who, who are they? Okay. And that happens um, throughout the series. <laughs> sure. Uh, the other absurdly weird thing that I just found out while I was researching this episode on IMDb, uh, these characters and actors except for the last guy, do not actually appear on the Empty Nest show. That is correct. Uh, and he appears in a completely different role. 
so it followed a whole different set of characters than this episode did. So essentially, this episode of the Golden Girls, I liken to essentially uh, the very rare uh both Doctor and Companionless episodes of Doctor Who, where you're following two, like, random people around. <laughs> where it's like, who are you? Yeah. What's going on? Which, uh, they don't do that very often on, on Who, of course. Um, so, and then my other thing here, um, Renee's whole, like, people with mental illnesses are the chosen. <laughs> and then her brother having DID make that whole sequence... Essentially, the plot to M. Night Shyamalan split. Uh, maybe he got oh. the idea from this episode. Maybe, but I, I don't know. It. I don't know. We know, you know, I popular know. movie directors of the 90s are apparently big Golden Girls fans, as we'll get into uh-huh. when Quentin Tarantino makes his guest spot. Yeah. So, so maybe he was big into maybe. Golden Girls and got the idea for split from that sequence, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. This this was bizarre. Yes. I did send you a link for a dancing cigarette pack. Uh, okay. Uh, blog entry. Um, while I do you can okay. look at that while I do my thingy. Oh, so this was a commercial thing? Uh, yes. Okay. So this was for, a, this was a commercial for old, old gold, gold cigarettes. Okay. Back in the 50s, which... I see. Uh, she could have been in the, one of those, I guess. I see. Um, yes, my kitchen observation, the white... There was a white and very light black checkerboard tablecloth in this one. When we go over to the Renee and George's area, they actually had a white and very dark black checkerboard tablecloth. But anyway, there have been like two bagels on top of the microwave for quite a long time here on this show but in this episode they're not there did they finally eat these bagels or throw them out who knows uh the house renee and george live in is very nice very nice of course with george being a doctor but when renee enters in what i assumed was the front door you could it could be the garage but the entrance is tiled very nicely i mean wow i thought who would tile their entrance to the house like that. You can definitely tell, like, um, Renee's house is a much newer construction than, than the girls' house. Than the girls, oh yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. by that layout. It's very nice. And while you were discussing your uh, references, I looked up on realtor.com at some Miami houses. Oh, okay. Just to see. Okay. And uh-huh. they do have houses that the entrance is tiled and it's... Yeah, like, I would think so. Okay, that's okay. And we, you discussed the Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm um, mm-hmm. just guessing Blanche. They either thought this would air later and thought Elm Street 4 would be out, or she just goofed, and sometimes people don't know what number a sequel is that's coming out. So, uh, And this may have been a pilot for another series, and that Empty Nest series is really good. But yeah, this is a pretty lousy episode. Um, and I've read that, yes, this had such sad ratings and such sad comments about this episode that Susan Harris, who actually wrote both of these or created both a, a series, she just went, okay, I got to retool this before we actually put it on the air. And they 
changed it a lot before it went on the air again. Ah, in this episode, there were two Sicily Italian references. One was washing dishes in the river, and the other one was about multiple personalities. And there was one game mentioned, Checkers, by Sophia, who plays it with a guy. Total counts after two seasons. Now we have weddings, planned weddings, four, six physical abuses of Rose, 13 St. Olaf stories, six picture stories, eight cheesecakes eaten, five Sicily Italian stories, the 23 Sicily Italian references, nine times the girls mad at each other, not best friends, or moving out, 15 sports, 18 games mentioned, five Stanley Zabornak appearances, and for me, this is a very forgettable episode that I'm not even sure they show this on the syndication runs. I think uh, I've seen it a couple times, but... Don't see it as much as no. all the others. No. So this one gets a 40 out of 100. And since this is the end of season two, I will do my season averages here. Oh, okay. My average rating for all episodes of season two was a 73.96. Hmm. My highest rating was an 84. For Love Rose and my lowest rating, which is my lowest in two seasons, is the 40 for Empty Nest. Need some work on that episode. <laughs> Just not enough girls in that one. And that's it for season two. Well, I'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show. For more great content like this. And until the next episode, good.